Welcome to the Her Sweet Spot Experience, dishing out tips and tricks on mindset, money, marketing, and media for your life and business, and where we talk to women about how they found their sweet spot. Welcome, everyone. I'm your host, Marsha Guerriere. And on today's episode, we'll be talking with Amanda Watson, founder and CEO of StyleForward.com. I can't wait to get into all the great details of how this amazing, phenomenal woman, if y'all ever know, I'm a woman in tech and I love another woman in tech. So I can't wait to get to it. You guys know I love to start the show with giving you guys a little tips and tricks that I've learned along my way through this game of entrepreneurship. So today's tip is all about marketing and what we should be doing for our businesses. So today's tip is called, is go where your potential customers and clients are, right? So you got to focus your marketing efforts on where you believe your customers and that one special avatar and potential customers spend most of their time. You guys have to really hone in on the ecosystem where you can most find that person or people to respond to, trust, like, and know who you and your product are. For example, you got to participate. If you're on a Facebook Participate in groups or LinkedIn where you know your potential client would be. It's not so much about you as a, unless you're a B2B person or a B2C person, you should be in groups that cater to those people. Check out what your customer, your competitors are posting and are saying in that group. You could usually tell who's most engaged, who's talking most, and I guarantee you, you will find your competitors engaging and posting within those groups where those women reside, right? And this also means you don't have to engage in all types of marketing online. You should really hone into the special one sweet spot to where you believe your customers are. So if you think your customers are not on Twitter and they're not sitting here tweet, tweet, tweeting, don't show up in Twitter. Don't spend advertising dollars or your time where customers do not reside. Okay, guys? Awesome. That is your marketing tip for today. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with today's special guest, Amanda Watson. And I can't wait to find out all about how she got started as a woman in tech. Be right back, guys. Her Sweet Spot is an online community for women influencers, leaders, and small business owners that offer coaching, education, resources, and networking opportunities for those looking to start or grow a business. We are the go-to incubator for success-driven solo CEOs who need their own team of C-suite coaches. Here's where she will find her sweet spot in mindset, money, marketing, and media. To learn more, visit www.hersweetspot.com. That's her, S-U-I-T-E, spot.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Her Sweet Spot Experience, bringing you amazing guests and content in mindset, money, marketing, and media. Get your pens and paper out because you never know what type of nuggets my guests are going to be dropping on this here podcast. So today our special guest is Amanda Watson. 
Amanda has 20 years of experience and apparel and apparel buying, merchandising, and wholesale in San Francisco. She has worked for major fashion lines throughout her career, including Macy's West, Donna Karen, and Ralph Lauren. There is so much more behind Amanda's story that I want to just bring her in and really get the conversation started. Welcome, Amanda. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me on the show. It's such a pleasure to have you here and an honor because, like I said at the top of the show, um, I am a woman in tech. I am behind the scenes as an analyst, and it's always great to meet a founding woman of a tech company. And I kind of want to go straight to that. Do you see yourself as a woman in tech? Well, I seem to forget that I am on occasion yeah. because deep yeah. down I'm a retailer. Right. <laughs> deep down I'm a merchant and that's what I, and a salesperson. So, but yes, um, I'm starting to learn that part of my job is to be in technology. <laughs> that is why I led with that question because even myself, I'm a business analyst. I've been a business product analyst for over 20 years in the fintech industry. And yet I just sometimes forget that I qualify to be a woman in tech going behind the scenes because I'm not a developer, right? So you kind of forget that you are part of that world. Right, yes, when, when, you, start a, when you start a website um, servicing the background that you've sort of you know, worked in for so long that you realize that, that yes, this is technology-based. If it wasn't for the technology, I, we wouldn't be here. So we'll have this conversation. So definitely right. I'm in tech. <laughs> so tell me about the beginnings before you got to this place where you did begin to build this website that is phenomenal and you're just you guys are doing amazing things tell me how you got to this point and let's share with everyone what is style for it so style for it um in a nutshell is a specific plus size fashion resale site we are specific to the community of women in size 12 and up on up to 32 um, we'd like we'd like to expand that um, as our customer needs grow, and you can send in your items to us. We can send you a mail-in bag, and you can fill it up. We'll have it pre-labeled and postage paid, and put pop your items in there, and we'll take care of it from there and photograph them and upload them to the site. Or if you'd like to earn even further um, commission on the things that you sell on the site, you can post them on your own and create your own shop. So therefore, if you've got a you know if you're a size 22 and live in Chicago and there's and there's a gal out in Orlando, Florida, who's the same size as you and likes, likes your things. Well, you can set up your own shop, and then she'll start shopping from your closet and maybe vice versa. So we, we want to create a community here of women reselling their clothes. I, when I learned about your site, I just fell in love with it because I have been to those parties with your girlfriends, and everybody comes for, you know, of course, they come for the girlfriend experience of swapping things, but they're really there mm -hmm. for the wine, and they never really bring <laughs> anything you like. <laughs> they never, I, I must say, I'm a, I am a plus-size woman. Everybody who knows Marsha Guerriere from Woman of Size and Her Sweet Spot would know that I'm plus-size. And so I would go to these parties, and there's nothing there for me to swap but lipstick. And then I don't want to put someone's old lipstick on my lips. So <laughs> That's I, fair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right? Well, I usually walk away with nothing. So this is amazing for me. 
Right. And you know, like, it's one of those things, like, and I, as I'm a fellow plus size lady myself, so this is one of the reasons that I started it. Um, one of those things where, like, you know, when you go into it, when you're, like, if you go into a size-specific, you know, branded store, you know, plus size, you know, when you walk in, you're going to get, you're, there's something there for you. Uh, you know, as opposed to the old days where you walk into the store and like, maybe they'll have something my size. We wanted to create a community where you can go on the site and go, not only will it, my size be here, but I can sell my things too. So I no longer wear that right. fabulous dress, you know, and I, but I wore that one event. So now I can sell it and maybe I can move it on and buy something else that I need for work or another event that's coming up. So I really wanted right. to create that safe space for um, women, you know, over a size 12. That That's so... It, who knew that that's what we needed, right? A space where yeah. we can be the retailer. We can be the retailer by reselling our clothes and, and still have a place to shop for things that are, you know, made for us, right? right. How, what, how, did the, how did the light bulb go off? Like, how did that idea just come to you? Or did it well, it, just come It was to twofold, you? actually. Number one, it was personal. Um, living in the city for 20 years, um, I was doing a lot of events and I had, when I went through a variety of sizes personally, <laughs> so I would go up, but I'd go down. So there were things that I literally had worn once. And I found out that when an organizational fit one day that there were things that still, still had tags on them. And I'm not a wealthy person, so I can't afford to do that. <laughs> so right. um, that, that's, that's not in my budget to not wear things that I purchase. So, and I was thinking to myself, where do I sell these? Because the local, you know, the local consignment stores and, or like a, um, a crossroads trading company weren't really into taking anything over a size 12. Additionally, the ones that are online now don't, don't pay a lot. So it was almost worth it for me to donate it or move it along to someone else than, you know, get five, ten, ten dollars for something I paid a hundred and something dollars for. So that was one thing in the back of my mind. And then I started to work for a plus size dress manufacturer that's sadly no longer in business and realized I wasn't the only girl out there with this issue. So I would start talking to customers that were buying, you know, not even just the wholesalers, but people, you know, direct to consumer people that I was helping, trying to help with their dresses. And a lot of these ladies had a similar problem. I wore this great dress. I only wore it once. I can't really wear it again. Or size fluctuation, which actually all women of any size actually go through. And it's like, right. wait, I'm not the only one. So that, that's sort of the genesis of, of the website because all these women would be a size 12 and up that I was talking to and they had the same problems I did, wearing something once or not wearing it at all. And where do we go with it? Right. I, I've been through that. I probably have given away so many dresses and I, I tend to give mm. them away because I, because of what I do. I have formal dresses and I tend to give them away a lot. And when I found this, I thought how amazing and awesome would it be for me to be able to do just this and get a little, you know, it's like the five cent bottle. You buy it and then you get a, a little change back from, you know, using it. I thought it was such a fantastic idea. Uh, Thank you. With that, and now taking this idea of exchanging and, and reselling um, clothing, the business of the technology, how have you been able to create this amazing website, have this store on, on, on your own platform without going to any big, uh, you know, some, some places start off with like the Shopify stores or something. How did you right. build this website? What, what, what does your team structure look like? So um, it was it was definitely um, a labor of love for the first two years <laughs> because we are resale and we're not 
like I'm not buying stock and selling it online where I could do right. a simple Shopify website. Um, right. It wasn't that easy. I actually had to hire a developer and actually he was out of Los Angeles initially. And at the same time, a dear friend of mine who actually is a technology person, she actually volunteered to help me through all of that process because it was a bespoke site that was built off the PrestaShop platform. So oh, what we wow. did is work with this person for quite a while. We built it out. It took about six months. We looked at the bugs. And quite honestly, I think that websites, no matter what, are still going to have some bugs, even the most expensive ones. So I'm learning that. Um, we worked out the bugs, and she did a lot of review because she had a bigger background than I did. And it was just lovely of her. And she actually still supports me with some of the technology. And she's based in Chicago now, not in San Francisco, um, you know, to work with the developer on it. In the meantime, the developer, you know, what we, I've learned is you're not going to always stick with your first developer. And I'll leave that there. Right. We are, I'm, I'm on my third developer now. <laughs> and he's wonderful. <laughs> he's been great. He has a team behind him. So that's been great to work with. And they're not even in the United States. So I, I work with his team. And I can talk to them on Skype or via email. And they manage the site for me. Because it, we still keep adding things and looking for ideas. And we're always open to new ideas and new ways of you know promoting the site and presenting the site. And, different features right. you can add. And I, I have such a great tech team to work with now and developers that they're able to adjust things as needed for us. So that's been wonderful to have these ladies. And they're all ladies too, which is kind of cool. Awesome. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. I, I also, with my, my business and Woman on the Rise business, I do a lot of um, subcontracting to developers as well. And I'm in the process of rebuilding a brand new website that will be, um, you'll find here on her sweet spot. So it has been, I think I share your sentiment. I, I think I've been through three developers as well and are all offshore as well, but none, no women. So I've, I've got to, I've got to make a change on my side, right? <laughs> yeah, that was just fortunate actually. So and I, there's one guy that, that pops in once in a while, but the women are all in charge. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's yes. fantastic. <laughs> well, I think this is a great time for us to pause for a little mindful moment segment okay. we call Mindful Moments. We're going to take a small break for Mindful Moments and we're going to come back and really talk more about the fashion and get to know more about Miss Amanda, guys. You guys hold on. We'll be right back. Here is your Mindful Moment. Welcome to the next Mindful Moment with me, Natasha Nurse, owner and co-founder of Dressing Roommate, a coaching and consulting platform dedicated to teaching women like you three vitally important things. First, how to think with clarity. Second, how to dress with confidence. Third, how to live with purpose. In this Mindful Moment, I'll be teaching you the four essential tips necessary to finding your happiness. And why are we talking about this? Well, first... Let's just give this concept a little bit of uh, some uh, depth here. Happiness and joy. These are things that are optional or must. I vote very much a must, never optional. Our happiness is so, so important to us, whether we prioritize it or not. And when we don't, we actually start to feel the effects of that. So that's why this conversation is extremely important. And with that, let's get into it to have the four essential steps needed to 
find your happiness, find your joy, number one with a bullet is you've got to list what are your passions. You've got to sit down with yourself and get really real and ask yourself, what excites me? What what gets me out of bed? What are things that I can't stop talking about? I got to go and share it on Twitter, posting on IG, sharing it on Facebook, sharing it with friends and family. These are the things that bring you joy. These are the things that make you happy. And that is a part of figuring out Well, what makes me happy? Well, you've got to take the time to think about that. Next, look at that calendar, ladies. We've got to schedule a time for our passions, for the time not only to explore new passions and figure it out, because maybe your list, your first from this first step, you maybe wrote two things down and you're like, I don't know what else to write. That's okay. (laughs) Book time into your schedule on a daily and weekly basis that allows you to explore things that you've always wanted to try, things that you don't know if they're going to make you happy, but you're going to give it a go. And then also time for the things that you actually know you love and are passionate about, and you can actually do it. Why? Because if you actually live a life doing the things that you love, you'll, I don't know, be fulfilled, feel joy, feel passionate about the life you live, right? I think the, the biggest mistake most people make is we get so caught up with all the things that we need to do and we forget about the things that we have to do about making ourselves feel okay and feel happy and feel calm and feel sane, right? Those are, those are musts. Those are immovable things that have to happen in our schedule. Next, when it comes to finding your happiness, what's really important is to also eliminate obstacles that stand in your way. So what do I mean by this? We have a lot of negative self-talk, ladies. We have a lot of conversations within ourselves with that inner bully who's telling you happiness is for chumps. Happiness is a joke. Happiness is when you're seven. Happiness is something that you'll have the luxury for when you're rich. Wait one minute. (laughs) Wait one minute. Wait, 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 wait. So certain people at certain ages or income brackets are allowed to be happy and no one else? Sounds false to me. False, false, false. So we have a lot of negative self-talk that we have to overcome. And literally, what do I mean by that? You have to tell yourself, stop. That is not true. For every negative self-talking thing that you say to yourself, replace it with three. So for instance, if you're listening to this now and you're saying, you know what? I do believe that happiness is really something that's mostly achieved once you're at a certain stage economically in your life. Wait. So you're saying only people who have attained a certain amount of wealth are happy and everyone else is not right? Not true, right? So when you when you even talk it out loud, you can sometimes hear just how absurd and so how and how ridiculous we can be to ourselves, to the stories for the stories we tell ourselves got to cut that out. Next, there are people in our lives that rely on us, that are dependent upon us. That is, uh, can be a good thing, can be a bad thing, depends on who and how much. But at the end of the day, when we're looking at our calendars and we're scheduling, hey, Tuesday, Thursdays, Friday, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., that's me time. There is nothing else that can happen during this me time. You got to mean it. You got to stick to it. You have to be stuck in the mud when it comes to determining how you use your time. And and you cannot you cannot be flippant about rescheduling and moving your me time for other people's needs. Now it's one thing to move and adjust your calendar because 
suddenly a new opportunity opportunity has come your way, which is something that is excitable, which is something that you want to do. That is not something that you're doing for other people. But when it comes to something that you know is a ongoing uh, requirement or tug on you and your and your mind and your schedule, and it somehow is encroaching into me time, we've got to say, nope, 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 absolutely not. This is me time. I'm saying yes to me and I'm saying no to you. And that's what you've got to do. And maybe that first no is a little bit challenging, but I bet after that 30th, after that 100th no, gets a lot easier, right? And you've got to be willing to say yes to you. You have to be willing to say yes to taking care of you. That's a part of finding your happiness and finding your joy. Last, 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 last tip is we got to document the journey. And why do I say this? Well, we started this whole conversation by talking about listing what are our passions. So we definitely have to document. Now, whether you, again, use a a phone, whether you like to write down things, your choice, whatever makes you happy, (laughs) you got to take the time to reflect and, and really narrow down, especially when you're exploring your passions and you've booked time in the schedule and you've done the belly dance class, you've done the goat yoga, you've done the meditation, you've done hot yoga, you've done all these new things. And you're like, nope, didn't enjoy this, kind of enjoy this. Let's let's sit down with ourselves and reflect on that journey so that you can narrow down and figure out what we're rebooking for next week and what are things that are going to the wayside. And then also it reaffirms to yourself what you do love. So for instance, if you love to read and you read a new book and then you realize, wow, I just learned these three new things that I can apply to my business or I can apply to my life. It reaffirms to you the power of reading, the power of having that activity in your life, which is bettering you, bettering your mind, bettering your life, right? So you gotta, gotta document what's going on. Now, with that, we have some words. I have some words of wisdom for for really kind of closing out this concept of how do we find our happiness? So first, happiness is what makes life really worth living. We owe it to ourselves to, to find our personal happiness. And I mean exactly that, personal happiness, not the happiness of that we should be experiencing as expressed to us through media, as expressed to us through family and friends. We've got to live this life individually and find our own personal happiness. So what does that mean? It means your happiness is not something that has to be shared by a million other people. It could be something that is personal to you. Ultimately, if your happiness is something that you love, gets you out of bed, you're excited about it, it is not harming you, it is not harming other people in this world, we're good to go, right? We've got to make sure that we are not working from the perspective that I can only do or I should be doing because other people say and want, nope, nope, nope. What is your happiness? So to give you an example, my happiness, as much as I'm out there and I do a lot of connecting and networking and and socialization, my happiness really is a solo mission. It's me under the covers reading a book. It's me journaling. It's me coloring. It's me spending time with my old favorite movies. It's me shopping. Solo mission. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes I'll loop in the husband. I'll loop in the dog. But at the end of the day, those are the things that I love the most. and, And I really thrive on because it makes me have the energy so that I can go and do other things like spend 
spending time with my husband or spending time with the dog or spending time doing events and 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 spreading my message my message and sharing my story but at the end of the day you've got to figure out what your happiness is what's your happiness sweet spot essentially and from there execute 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 and follow through with the four steps i previously shared also the happier you are, the easier it is to be more productive and fulfilled in your life. Now, granted, your happiness may or may not be a part of kind of your day job or what you do during the working hours. That's a whole other conversation, a whole other mindful moment to be discussed. But if you are trying to accomplish X, Y, Z in life, is it easier to do such things when you're happier or when you're sadder, or when you're frustrated? It's, it's happier. It's, it's, it's easier when you're happier, right? When you're happier, you what? You have the oil in the tank and you're ready to go. You are trucking. You are moving fast at fast speeds. But when you're not happy and you still have to fulfill these goals of yours, a, are you likely to really do it? B, are you going to move at the, sp the pace that you need to move at? And are you even going to enjoy the outcome if you do accomplish it, right? Because this is might be something you end up resenting or something that you end up feeling kind of unfulfilled when you do it. So happiness is very much a part of the equation of, of getting to the, the end goal that we want for ourselves. So don't forget that. And then lastly, if, if, we're, if we are having the conversation about happiness and jobs, should I be happy for my job? That's a question you have to answer. If you want to wake up every day, Monday through Friday or whatever your work schedule is, and get a feeling of happiness and joy from your job, then who's in control of that? You are. You're in control of that. So if you're not feeling happy at the workplace, then A, what are things that you could be doing based on that list of what brings you joy, what makes you happy? What are ways that you can leverage your job to be able to execute on those things? Is it possible or is it not? And if it's not, what are you going to do about it? right? Happiness is absolutely attainable for each and every one of us, but it requires us to get real with ourselves. It requires for us to think about the changes that we need to do and put in an action plan and make it happen. Just get it done, right? No questions asked, just got to go forward and do it. So this is the conclusion of the mindful moment with me, Natasha Nurse, owner and co-founder of Dressing Room 8. If you ever want to chat with me, you can easily find me on my website at dressingroom8.com. Or if you need an email address, super easy, guys, Natasha at dressingroom8.com. Thank you for listening to this program and stay tuned for the next mindful moment. You're listening to the Her Sweet Spot Experience. Welcome back to the Her Sweet Spot Experience. We are here with our special guest, Amanda Watson, founder of styleforit.com. So let's get right back to it, uh, Amanda. Uh, just thank you again for being on our show and really sharing, sharing with us. I love the perspective that you come from in terms of really being a, a, a woman in tech, but in terms of, you know, we just spoke about your leadership and how, how 
it's difficult sometimes as a leader, you have to switch developers a couple of times. As a mm-hmm. leader, and luckily for you, you are working with a, a group of women. How do you find in this industry of tech? Two, this is a twofold question. One, have you been searching or have gone through any funding for your website? Okay, that's funny that you asked that. This is the first time um, I am on, I do have an Indiegogo campaign started that we've created um, so we can go to take it to the next level because in in keeping with the technology, we would like to redesign the website completely again. And we'd really like to add a lot more product because at this point we are so new that we really would like to look at seeing we can get buy some stock overruns from certain brands um, in a variety of sizes for people to really fill the website um, to make it profitable in the meantime, and then really, you know, push the idea of resale on the site as well. So um, that is our next goal. And then uh, I'm also looking at angel investors. That is awesome. I think the um, Indiegogo, for anybody who doesn't know who's listening, Indiegogo is a platform, it's a crowdfunding platform, right, where you could put a campaign out and and raise money um, from the public to help your business or your, uh, it's a project. I think Indiegogo is a little different than the the GoFundMe types. I think you have to be really specific, right? In the type yes, of project you put independent in. projects, yes. And we just, you know, I've, I've actually, as full disclosure, used up all of my savings to do all of this. So at this point, I could use some help. So we have, we set up the Indiegogo campaign as, um, as a group, and uh, we are hoping that people will support us. And we're offering um, some fun things on there, like credits to site and sell for T-shirts and all sorts of fun things. So Awesome. How are you finding the response? with your campaign and where can I am going to share it I know this this will air after most likely your campaign has ended because those usually take about 40 45 days or so or less um to go out when does it end yes it ends I believe in September and what, what I'm going to do is see if I can extend it now we just sort of launched to the public about 10 days ago so we would slow on an upstart and uh, my social media manager and brand ambassador is now working with the media this week. Awesome. I wish you so much success with that. I, I've, Thank you. I know this is something that people should know more about, and I'm excited to share it with our network. Um, it, it will be probably af- out after, but we are going to spread the word in our, in our website you. and in our, in our social media for you on this. Uh, platform because I love what you're doing and so in facing what have you been doing so I know all about using your own funds and that bootstrapping your business how are you preparing and how have you prepared to pitch yourself to angel investors any advice for anyone thinking of doing it well, my understanding, and I'm sorry, I'm not that new to the idea of pitching uh, because I've been studying it for about three years, and so I could be prepared when, when, if and when the opportunity came, is that you need to stay specific to investors that are in your space. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go after an investor that was, like, for example, I wouldn't go out after an investor that was interested in fintech. It doesn't have anything to do with the apparel slash retailing world or the resale world. I would look at someone that's investing in 
say, like resales, like, you know, other resale sites that would be considered, you know, competition, like a thread up, have they, you know, and there was a couple of those closed since then and pivoted since then. I would look for investors that were in that space. I would look for investors in retailing, um, even upstart, you know, apparel companies. I would stick, I would stick to, if you're looking for, you know, support from an angel investor, I would look for investors that are looking in the same space and have the same goals. Right. That's such great advice. Thank you for sharing they that. Also, they also bring in this, I mean, I just learned and thought about a couple of weeks ago and I was talking to someone else about raising funds, is that they also have ideas and have experience in something that maybe we haven't seen before if they're in a similar space and they can add that value to your company. That's what's so important about finding that right investor and finding that right, you know, partner, because they are your partners because Absolutely. they also bring that knowledge. I am a Shark Tank and, like fanatic and, and I love the fact that they, you know, they, they do go for deals that um, they could lend advice to and, and when they're arguing with each other, they're, they're really speaking to how they're going to help that industry in that business within that industry. So that's great advice um, for our listeners here. So let's take a turn and talk about the fashion end. So you work with retailers. Tell me how fashion has played a role in your life overall and how you really got into this. And was fashion a place you want, you started from? Like, was that part of your vision for your life? Yes. Uh, I started off, um, well, I worked for a small, like, been a republic of places like that when I was in high school, even. Um, and then I moved to San Francisco for the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising to go to college. So that's where okay. I went to school in the mid '90s and graduated, and went straight to Macy's corporate and worked there in a couple of different positions uh, for a little over four years. Worked with them and then moved on to the brands. You know, DKNY came next and managed the Northwest territory for Donna Karen Men's and DKNY Men's. Um, had about three or four accounts um, that I managed through that and did a lot of store visits. It was really fun. And then moved into like Ralph Lauren and a few other like major brands and did some other buying with uh, with home brands too because buying fine no matter what product it really is. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, so I mean, I think it's a really extended background. I could go into it, but it would take more time. <laughs> but right. um, that's how I got started. So and I remained in the business. I took a step away and went worked for a private equity firm for about a year. Um, and that was, that was actually fascinating, but decided that at the end of the day, I'm, I'm an apparel person and started my, uh, right. I started my own whole, uh, showroom, um, out of San Francisco, we have selling, uh, streetwear and surf and skate and active. So, and swim. So that, that was actually a, really that's, fun. <laughs> that's actually a good segue to my next question was really like, how did you, how did you know you were an entrepreneur? How did you go into, so you, you changed and you realized the private equity was it for you. You need to get back into apparel and fashion and, and start your own business there. Tell me how, when did you know I'm an entrepreneur and I need to be doing something for myself? Well, I, to be honest with you, I got laid off of a couple of positions. Like, and I think a lot of people are getting laid off in the late nineties, early two thousands. Things are sort of shifting a little bit. And as you get laid off a few times, you're just like, wait a minute, my whole life relies on one person making one decision in one day. Yeah. I never wanted to be in that position again, where my whole, my whole like, you know, financial, you know, independence would rely on one person. And that's when I was like, maybe I should do something else. So I sort of piecemealed the brands together to start the, the showroom and then realized, oh, I can make this, you know, a go. I was going to be six to eight brands that I was representing. 
to, you know, to do a show, to create a showroom. And I did also did some side work because when you're in wholesale, you don't necessarily get paid for months at a time. So you wait for the deliveries to come out and then you get paid after that deliveries are done. So, right. it, and I, so and I folded into merchandising in stores for different uh, center core brands uh, for the major uh, department stores and sort of created my own, my own world. <laughs> so right. if one fell off, then I could get, pick up another one and another one fell. And it wasn't my, my you know, I wasn't a hundred percent of my entire financial success was not relying on one thing. So right. I set myself up. It was relying on many things. And if one, one or two fell off, it wasn't the end of the world. So that's where I got the entrepreneurial, um, you know, bug from it. My life will never depend on one thing again. Does that make sense? So I've diversified. (laughs) It it goes along with what we teach in coaching, that you need to have multiple streams of revenue, even if they Mm -hmm. all relate. And and if you're smart, you can get them all to relate somehow. But uh, doing something you love, it sounds like you went directly into something you love and something you were good at. You took the skills that some employers helped you hone in on and you took that and you, you went and built your own and created your own. And that's like the perfect lesson and the perfect things for any of our listeners to take away is that your career is really a place for you to start to think about grabbing ideas and how you make certain areas better for yourself. So I love everything about your story and I wish we had more time for you to just spill the tea and tell us everything, but I know we don't. <laughs> so in that, before we take our next break, I want to know what advice would you give to someone who is kind of on the fence about entrepreneurship or just giving something a try and just afraid? Well, I would say if you could, if, if you're working as a, a, a full-time physician, Try to see if you can fold it into what you're currently doing, you know, because I know financial is being, you know, financially responsible as, you know, first and foremost. On the same side, of the, on the other side of that coin, if you don't need it to work and you want to just take the plunge, I would just do it. But if, if you need to work, I, because well, I know I always needed to work, <laughs> I would say, I try to see how you can start it on the side and try to grow that and really make it your focus outside of your current position. And test it, you know, talk to, you know, talk to who you need to talk to, find someone that will mentor you, look at local organizations that might help, um, and then see if it's, if it's really viable. And then if you feel that it's viable, you know, make sure you're stocking away some money on the side from your, from your current position. So that way you have like about three months, you know, set aside to say, I can do this, I can take this plunge. And perhaps what you need to do is consider also, you know, moving from full-time into a part-time position and doing this on the side. So yeah, I, it just, yeah, it's sort of a slow process. I actually did it trial by fire because I was in a job anyway. <laughs> so right. I just sort of created it because it was like, if, if this doesn't work, then I just have to go get a job. It <laughs> but it worked. Work. So, right. And it's been it 10 worked. years, 10 plus years. So <laughs> that I just went on my own path. But the, the awesome. website's really free. So <laughs> but that, that is so fantastic. On that, we're going to take a, just a real quick break and come back with our segment called In the News. We'll be right back, guys. Welcome back, guys. I hope you've enjoyed all of the things that we have brought to you today and really, really took away some great advice and nuggets from Amanda Watson, who is our special guest. 
and has shared so much about entrepreneurship and her journey throughout. Now, Amanda, we're going to go through a segment I call In the News, and where we talk about things that I've researched and found in the news, and I want to know what you think of and get your feedback for all of these items. Are you ready? Awesome. You ready? Yes, I am. Okay, awesome. So today's In the News segment, according to an article in the HuffPost.com, here are five tips for women entrepreneurs from, from digital tech founders. All right, tip number one, find your authentic voice. It sounds like you did, Amanda, when you, you, you built a, a, a website that was everything that you are in fashion. Yes, I built this out of personal need. <laughs> right. A ser so you are service-based and tech. Everything yes. that people forget, you know, our minds get focused on one thing and because you're, you're, you're trying to meet a need that you believe is um, necessary for uh, your customers, you forget that other components of what you're doing are just as equally, um, make you equally like a badass boss, right? Your tech, <laughs> you're, you're providing a service for the plus size women in fashion right. that, you know, we get, we get to have real awesome clothes. So number two of the five tips for women entrepreneurs from digital tech founders from HuffPost.com is leverage your network. Now you spoke earlier about leveraging some of your friends, like a friend of yours was able mm -hmm. to help you. How important was leveraging your network in establishing your business? Well, that was very important, especially in, in the, the beginning stages of it, because like I said, she was able to help me and guide me through the technology portion of the site. Yes. It is the most, like, for, for startups, probably really most important thing is leveraging your network and to network at all. That's really super key. So number three in the five tips for women entrepreneurs from Digital Tech Founder, according to the HuffPost.com, is be fearless. Yes. <laughs> you have to be willing to um, to take out. You have to be willing to, you know, basically drain your savings account and really be all in, or or, or don't bother at all. <laughs> right. And I'm definitely and, all in. <laughs> and that's it. And being fearless. Not that fear doesn't set in sometimes, but oh, yeah. it's really <laughs> be fearless is really about you know the bounce back. Like, okay, this happened. It kind of set us back, but we can't let it stop us. And we're going to go at all costs to make sure that we continue to build the type of company and business that we know we are capable of building. So I love that. It's, be fearless. It's actually scarier to not do it than it is to do it. Thank you. Very because if you don't so, do it, you're always going to wonder what happened. <laughs> you're absolutely so right. It is much scarier to not do it. Because like you said, who wants to be at an age where maybe some, like some parents do, they're living out their life through their kid and they're pushing their kids to do what they wanted to do. And it makes you kind of sad for yourself. 
Yes, <laughs> So number four of the five tips for women entrepreneurs from digital tech founders, according to HuffPost.com, is be comfortable with your style. Yes. Right? Be yeah, that was something that I had to find, you know, just in um, being interviewed and make sure that, you know, that this is, I'm willing to put myself out there and say that, you know, that this was part of this wasn't just me and not to look at it as a separate entity. So, right. so I, I mean, this is, this isn't just, you know, about everybody else and creating a business and making money. This was like, this is a part of me and who, who I am as, you know, it, you know, as me, as part of this was styled, getting rid of clothes, wanting to buy newer, more clothes. I mean, right. style just from the fact of running a business. So, I mean, and, and making sure that I feel like it's, it's up to the style that I, I like for it to be. Right. I think that's great. Number five of the five tips for women entrepreneurs from digital tech founders, according to HuffPost.com, is be candid. I must say, I'm so happy to talk to you today because you have been so refreshing and so candid with the fact that I didn't know I was a woman in tech until I got here or, you know, <laughs> it, uh, the business found me. Like I, I got into business because I lost my job. That is, you can't be more candid than that. Yes. Yes, this is, it's, it's all about, you know, full disclosure. And I think that when, when you're running an online business, something that's personal like fashion or, you know, some sort of health or beauty program, you really need to be candid with your customers because there's no, they're never going to meet you. You're not going to have a store a front where right. they can come talk to you. You're, this is, so if you're if full disclosure and talk about, you know, your, your past experiences and, wh and why you took those into this business, women, women and people will relate to you. So. I, I agree. I think it's so important and it's, we have to remember that in, in marketing and in, in sales and in, in purchasing anywhere, people buy from, people and brands that they know, like, and trust. So without being transparent and candid, people will not feel relatable to you, your story, and your business. So it's important to be candid. Yes. Amanda, that is, has been such a great show. It's been really, really fantastic talking to you and getting to know a little bit more about you and styleforit.com. Why don't you tell people where they could follow you, where they can follow you on social media, how they could get to your website. And guys, I'm going to plug it. I don't know if Amanda's going to plug it. Go shopping on styleforit.com. You can set up your own store. Start swapping those clothes. Amanda, tell them where they can find you. Yes, please visit the site. Um, we are also on Facebook. We have two, we have one private group um, that we have a, a forum on Facebook for Style For It that's easy to find. We are Style For It in SF on Instagram. We are also Style For It on Twitter. And of course, styleforit.com is the website. And check us out on Indiegogo. I, we might be past it by then, but check us out anyway. Check them out, search for them. If you don't find them on Indiegogo, if there's any way, I don't know if they allow people to, we could create some other fund, funding source, if Indiegogo, however that works out. But, you know, start another campaign on another website. And yeah, reach and out we'll, to us. <laughs> we'll, we'll, and sell we'll, your clothes. <laughs> and sell your clothes. Go ahead into, um, into the website. Uh, you'll get a link. From your website, can they find your Indiegogo campaign? Yes, it's on the front page. 
Okay, we're going to do that. And guys, thank you so much for uh, just being with us today. You know, I like to end every show by telling you, until next time, remember, when we empower each other, we all rise. Thanks for joining us this week on the Her Sweet Spot Experience. Make sure to visit our website, www.hersweetspot.com. That's her, S-U-I-T-E, spot.com, where you can become a member of our growing community and get great content for your life and business. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. We are your strategic partners to grow your business.